Morning again, everyone. There's a, an author uh, by the name of Donald Miller that some of you may be uh, familiar with. Um, one of the things that he's done in recent years, he's, uh, he's written a, a book and, and put together a conference that happens every once in a while. Uh, he calls the Storyline Conference. Um, and sort of the really oversimplified uh, version of, of what's sort of the thinking behind this um, is that, you know, we know as Christians that there is one grand story that's been told from the beginning of time, that ultimately the grand story is about God and what he's done through his son Jesus. But each of us as individuals, everyone's life is another smaller story being lived within that greater story. And so one of the things that he tries to get people to think about and the other things that he teaches about is how we need to look at our lives in that story structure. Because there's a lot of things about the way stories have developed and how mankind has always used stories that really tells us a lot about our shared human experience. Um, The structures that are so common in stories didn't just happen there by accident, uh, but they tend to reflect the way real lives play out, the drama of everyday life. And one of the things that I've heard him say on many occasions is that every hero needs a guide. And any great adventure, especially one that tells about the hero's journey, there comes a point in the story when the hero needs a guide, needs someone to set them on that path toward becoming who they were meant to be all along. You know, Frodo has his Gandalf, and Luke has his Obi-Wan, and, and you know, Harry has his Dumbledore, um, and apparently all my examples are from science fiction and fantasy. Sorry. Um, that's who you got. Um, but as we live through our own real-life stories, it's really not any different. We all need someone to set us on the right path. We all need someone to point us in the way that will take us toward who we were meant to be. Now that's especially true when it comes to a life of faith. Since Easter, we've been talking about, in our lessons here this morning, uh, and each Sunday morning, about what new life looks like. This new life that we've been called to, this new life that we've been given because of what happened in the resurrection of Christ, this new life that was inaugurated then, and what that life looks like. And and in the upcoming weeks, we're going to talk about, okay, well, how is that new life formed within us? What do we do that helps to shape us into that new life? But as we pause here, kind of in between those, to reflect on the importance of having a guide to get us started, to get us pointed in that right direction, get us pointed towards that life. It's kind of nice that we find ourselves here on Mother's Day. You know, for many of us, maybe even most of us, our mother or maybe our grandmother or some other maternal figure in our lives, someone else that's played that role, they've played the role of the all-important first guide, that first one who helped set us along the path that we would take. Now we know that that was certainly true for Timothy. In the scripture reading that we had just a moment ago, as Paul is thinking about Timothy and his direction, 
See, when we think about Timothy, you know, we immediately think about Paul, don't we? You know, in fact, I think when we were still uh, in, in the hospital there, after Timothy, our Timothy, was born, we mentioned his name to one of the nurses as her shift was beginning and she was meeting us for the first time. Uh, that's who she brought up. He said, oh, Paul's buddy. <laughs> you know, that was the first thing that most of us think of when we think about the biblical Timothy. We think about Paul and that relationship that they had. But when Paul thinks about Timothy, who does he think of? When he thinks about Timothy's faith, and how much he cherishes that faith and their relationship. He thinks about his mother. He thinks about his grandmother. Now, you'd be hard-pressed to think of a better teacher, a better mentor, a better guide for a minister in the early church than the Apostle Paul. I mean, the the list of, of, of better mentors for him would be mighty short if you could think of any at all. But when Paul thinks about Timothy's faith, he recognizes those path-setting guides in Timothy's life that came long before Paul entered the picture. He thinks about Timothy's grandmother, Lois. He thinks about his mother, Eunice. You see, these godly women held a divinely appointed place as the first influence in his life and established Timothy on that path toward faith. See, they were the ones to show him that all-important way. You see, before disciples of Jesus, as many of us know, before they were called Christians, well, they were called followers of the way. I love the active tense of that. I love that, you know, before we were nouns, we were verbs. <laughs> you know, we, we, we follow. There are people who followed the way. There are people who belonged to the way. A couple of examples we see in Acts, one more on the negative side, when we see, you know, when he was known more as Saul before Paul's conversion in Acts 9, 1 and 2. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priests and asked them for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Uh, later on in Acts in chapter 18, when we learn about Apollos, this, uh, this Jewish man that was a, a very learned man, a, a skilled teacher, someone who knew the scriptures well, that he had been instructed in, in what? The way of the Lord. And he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he only knew the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him, what? The way of God, more adequately. They, when he needed to know more, when Apollos needed to know more, what he needed to know more about was the way. And it makes sense for us to call ourselves followers of the way, especially when you consider the words that Jesus said, what Jesus said about himself. In John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? 
And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What greater evidence could we need of the importance of a guide to point us in the right way? Because what is the way? Well, Jesus himself is the way. We point to Jesus. And there's nothing more fundamental, more foundational in a life of faith than that. And so we point the way. And here on Mother's Day, we recognize that role of that first, hopefully, to point the way, that primary influence, that first one that sets us on our path. But really, that's not just a message for moms, is it? That's not just a role that the mothers in our, in our lives play. Because, well, sadly, not everyone has had that influence. You may have been sitting here thinking, well, my mother didn't point me that way, did she? And honestly, not everyone who did have that influence, not everyone who had a godly mother that tried to point them in the way of the Lord, not everyone listened. I'm sure everyone in here, like, you know, there's no one in here that ever, you know, didn't listen to their mother, right? All of us? Any, anybody? I'm going to call all of your mothers and, find out, and just find out. Now, we know that regardless of how good a guide we may have, we know that no matter how godly our influences may be, well, there are times when we don't really pay attention. There are times when we don't always listen. So we can't leave it to one. We can't just make the assumption, well, you know, someone else has already pointed them in the right direction. Someone else is going to take care of that, or someone else should have taken care of that. So I'm just going to leave well enough alone. We can't do that. Because, see, we all have this responsibility. Because we can all have this influence for someone. Each and every one of us. Okay, so how? How do we point the way? Of all the ways that we can point the way, I'd say the greatest of these is the way of love. You know, we think about, whenever we think about love in Scripture, we immediately go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, don't we? That, that great love chapter that's read, it seems like, nearly every wedding. <laughs> It tends to come up a lot around Valentine's Day. Anytime we're thinking of love and you're in a church building, someone's probably going to bring up 1 Corinthians 13. But I think it's interesting to note what happens before that. That in all of chapter 12, we have this long discussion about spiritual gifts and the many different ways that a life of faith is expressed within the church and in the lives of individual Christians. And that these things do matter, and these things are important. There are a myriad of ways that we show, and we express, and we practice the way, the faith that we've been given. But this is how that discussion is summed up. Starting in verse 29 of chapter 12, Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent 
way. All these other things that we can do, all these other things that God may enable us to do to express our faith, to show to the world what we believe in the power of God, the most excellent way that we follow the way is shown in verse, in chapter 13. When we have this great description of love, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see him face to, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And then he begins chapter 14 with an admonition to do what? To follow the way of love. See, that's why it's so important for us to live by those great commands, those greatest commands that Jay reminded us of last week. When he talked about these commands to love God and love your neighbor. I love the emphasis that he put on how everything hinges on that. That everything hangs on that. If we can't do that, we can't do anything. If we're not living in the way of love, we're simply not living in the way. And so, if we will be that influence in the world, if we will be the guide in someone's story, if we will be the ones who point the way to Jesus, whether you're a mother pointing that way for the first time, or whether you're someone farther, much farther along in someone's story, we begin showing the way by showing the way of love. Sadly, that's not something we always do naturally, is it? You see, for me to recognize that in someone else's story, I'm not the star. (laughs) That's hard to do. That in someone else's journey, well, I'm not the most important one. But it's much easier to show that love to someone else when we can recognize, one, the love that's been shown to us, and two, that we have been put in a position to point that way to them, that they need someone to be that influence 
in their life. So I'd ask that we all pay attention. Pay attention to our own story and to all these lives, all these stories going on around us, living inside this great story of God and the love that he's shown for us. Who's the guide in your story? Is it a mother, a grandmother? Is it a neighbor, a friend, a a brother, a sister, a child even? (laughs) Who is pointing you the way to Jesus? Who is showing you the way of love? And it's not enough just to notice who it is, but we've got to ask ourselves, am I listening? Am I listening to that voice that's showing me the way? And we've also got to pay attention to the other side. Whose guide are you? Who needs you today? Who is in need of direction that you have a word from the Lord? Are you speaking? Are you using that divinely appointed role that you've been blessed with to speak the love of God into someone else's life? To let your life, through the love that it shows, let your life point the way to Jesus. Because see, if we're not doing that, if we're not recognizing the guides in our own stories, I don't know if we'll ever be who God really intended for us to be. And if we're not playing that role of guide in someone else's story, well, how can we expect the church to be what it's supposed to be? If we're not urging one another on, if we're not lifting one another up, if we're not all pointing one another toward Jesus. We all have the role to speak. We all have the role to listen. And if today you find yourself here and you realize that people have been speaking into your life, that you have been pointed toward the way, but you haven't taken that step onto the path yet, now I would pray that you would take this opportunity to listen to those voices that have been showing you the way of love. And that you would take that first step along that path, one step closer to Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. If you need to know more about who he is, about what it means to follow him, we would love to help you with that. If you know who he is, and you know what he asks of you, and you want to begin that new life in him, we would love to baptize you in the name of Christ this morning, so that you could live and walk in that new life. If you're here today and you recognize that maybe you haven't been so much living in the way of love. Maybe you've professed Christ as your Lord and Savior, but the life you've been living, the path that you've been showing others has not been one filled with the love that he's shown to us. If you need your family to surround you, to show that love to you, to remind you of what that love feels like so that you can go out and show that love to a world who needs it, we would love to do that as well. If there is any way that this family can show you that love this morning, if there's any way that you'd like to respond to the love of God this morning, if there's any step that you need to take along the way, please come and let us know while we stand and while we sing.